Welcome to a football show Thursday edition. His name is Zach Lyons. My name is Braden Gall, and we appreciate you joining us. So if you're with us on the live stream, on Twitter, on YouTube, we really do appreciate you guys. Jump into the comments. We will ask any, we will answer any questions you guys have about the final preseason game for the Tennessee Titans. We've also got week zero in college football to get to some sports washing on Netflix, maybe. I, I might just throw that in at the end, Zach, because I'm listen, pissed, let me say that let me say this. I ain't off about it. it. I'm not watching it because I have heard and read I, all the tweets that stuff that they decided <laughs> not to cover on the Urban Meyer thing and I and the the Tim Tebow, the Aaron Hernandez. Like, what are they? What are they even talking about for all these episodes? Are they just clips of Tim Tebow leading Bible studies or something? Like, give me a fucking break! I ain't spending time watching after and I can even talk about the good, the good, juicy topics. Not the they're not good in nature, but that's what you watch for. That's what it, you watch it, yeah. for a documentary. Many things, in fact, w- went untold. Uh, so, so maybe it was a perhaps, perhaps, perhaps it's a perfectly named uh, documentary. No, I'm just, I've just got, a, I've got, I'm just kind of pissed off about the sports washing of Urban Meyer. Uh, we'll get to that later on. Um, we're gonna, we're gonna focus a lot. I think there is some positive stuff because there are some negative stories we need to talk about. Malik Willis, the kicking situation, you know, the the injuries with Kyle Phillips. Like, there are some things that are are worth concern if you're a Titans fan. I also want to make sure we talk about some of the things that are positive in nature, namely number 10. <laughs> so we're going to get to that. Uh, a lot of stuff. We got a whole practice report from, from Thursday for you guys and a look ahead at the Patriots match. I, I just, I got to start. And by the way, thank you to our wonderful and amazing sponsors, Sinkers Beverages, the Kingston Group. Of course, Sinkers is in East Nashville. They are the reigning liquor store of the year in Nashville, Tennessee. So, and soups, and you can go and sign up for the in crowd. You, all kinds of cool stuff. You guys know the drill, but also you can search Uber Eats. You put the name Sinkers in there. They will deliver the booze directly to your house. They drive so you could drink. There you go. But more importantly, Bluegrass Beverages, proud sponsor of football and other F words, their 50th anniversary celebration coming up on September 2nd. It is open to the public. It is for free, as we say. And there's going to be like eight or 10 breweries, food trucks, all kinds of fun stuff up there. Uh, we're trying to get Mike Herndon to show up. Basically, I'm just tr- I'm going to try to publicly push for Mike Herndon to get just take a break from the family, bring the wife and the, the kid out, drink some beer. Take watch a break from the football. family, but bring them. No, no. Take a break. Sorry. Sorry. Take a take a break from um, the, the obligations and, and like give the wife and the child. A, an hour to take a deep breath and enjoy some fresh air, hopefully not 112 degree weather and, and watch some college football, drink some beer, have Kinda some food. Sounds like you're volunteering babysitting, just throwing that out there. I would be happy to, if I wasn't at the Tennessee Virginia game, <laughs> <laughs> I'd be happy to do that, but no 50th anniversary celebration of serving the Hendersonville community. Great community liquor store up there. So make sure you support them and come on out. Uh, you guys come out and we got other events too. There's a, there's like a mini, um, like wine and uh, bourbon tasting event that's going to happen later in the month up at Bluegrass to celebrate their 50th anniversary. It's kind of like a teenage girl that celebrates like their entire birthday for like a month and a half. That's kind of what Bluegrass is. It's like a sorority girl celebrating. Oh, I get a whole month for my birthday. Bluegrass 50th anniversary. They get a whole month. That's that's how they do it. And I'm totally fine with that. So, okay, go check them out. And then Kingston Group, of course, buildkg.com. You know the deal. Don't make any decisions about your house until you talk. To the Kingston group, just have a conversation. I've been told we might need to spruce up the language a bit. <laughs> We've been saying the same thing about the Kingston group for like three years now. And uh, if you're going to 
have somebody help you with your home, better be the Kingston group, folks. All right. I just, I know you guys just talked about this. You and Herndon on, on F words about the special teams. And, and I'm going to go more Mike Vrabel ran Carthon here. And even John Robinson to some degree where I know you, you have a very soft spot in your, in your heart for Craig Ackerman. <laughs> yeah. He, um, he, he shouldn't. I mean, at the end of the day, the, the stats don't lie. I am. Let me see how I can, how, how can I say this? I, I, I think that Mike Vrabel is going to have final say on the roster. Although I don't think that's been settled. And I, I, think I that, put it as, I don't know if you were still listening, but we put it as a one, a one B like one A is Mike Vrabel, but it's really a collaborative effort. But final, final tie breaking say goes to Mike Vrabel. And, and I'll, I'll just, let me, again, let me see how I can say this. I am going to be interested to watch how Ran and Mike work together on these decisions moving forward. I'm just going to leave that there for a second because one of the first things they are facing outside of signing DeAndre Hopkins, re-signing Jeffrey Simmons has been this kicker thing. And it's not just a Rand Carthon thing. This is with John Robinson. The hubris that Mike Vrabel and the rest of the Titans organization writ large has presented to its fans about the kicker position is very frustrating to me. I have seen it from the, like I said it on the very first day of practice. I said they are going to try to outsmart the rest of the NFL with Caleb Shudak and, and Trey Wolf. And, and then two weeks before the season starts, you cut them both. And you hire Michael Badgley. Now, Badgley didn't perform well on Wednesday. On Thursday, he was 10 of 10. He made every kick. Yeah. Hey, listen, as long as they're inside for every game, he's going to be a great kicker for the Tennessee Titans because it's not like they have an outdoor stadium or anything. Oh, yeah. The, he made every kick until they got to the two-minute drill, and he missed, he missed one of two. And it was 53 yards, so it was a long distance. But that's not the point. My point is, and I tweeted this at Herndon, and I've said this literally for two consecutive camps. You probably could go back three camps. When you draft Brady Breeze, Luke Falk, and, and Cole McDonald, quarterbacks in particular that have a very, very, very small percentage chance of making the roster or even having any impact on your franchise whatsoever in that position versus potentially drafting the best kicker, invest resources in the position and they have continually ignored investing resources in the position and it is so frustrating to watch it play out in real time at the beginning of camp saying this is what they're gonna do and then two and a half weeks through watching them in my opinion panic cut both of them and try to bring somebody off the street it makes no sense i it is total hubris and thinking that they can outsmart the entire NFL, I, it just makes it makes no sense to me because it's very antithetical to what Mike Vrabel yes, is, which is I was about to say, <laughs> like he he is about thinking long term and short term and developing and having a plan and being. It is so against like the Mike Vrabel way, and it just it frustrated me on day one of minicamp. It's and against I, the Patriots way. Like, right? I mean, right. let's think about the Patriots and how many kicks and Super Bowls Mike. How many Super Bowl rings does Mike Vrabel have because of Adam Vinatieri? <laughs> and because like of Steve Gostowski? <laughs> all of them? <laughs> I mean, give me a break. Oh. And I, it's 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 why it's it's crazy to me 
that a guy like Mike Vrabel, a coach like Mike Vrabel, who literally preaches about the worth of special teams to a winning formula, it's part to a winning formula for a football team. And it has built a team currently with, we don't really know how many winning margins, how many points they're going to win by now in this year, but a team that has such a thin margin for error that we have talked about continues to put themselves in this situation. This isn't Caleb Shudak's fault. This isn't Tucker McCann's fault. This isn't, uh, yeah, Tucker McCann. You can't forget that UDFA. Yeah. Fucker McCann. Yeah. It's not Trey Wolf's fault. It is. It is the fault of the, the staff that has decided that a Craig Ackerman can develop them or B we, we think they're just much better than everybody else thinks. Like you said. And at some point it's because it, I put in the tweet, this is a, a four headed monster of blame. And that is the blame starting with John Robinson, mm-hmm. who had total control of the roster from everything that we know. He had like 90% control. You could say. So it starts with him. And then it's like infects Mike Vrabel. And then it infects Craig Ackerman. And now it's infected Rand Carthon. Because right now, someone needs to put their foot down and say, Michael Badgley's not good enough. It wasn't good enough, right? It, none of this is just good enough. That, ultimately, that's the point. And you guys have been there. And from every everybody on the ground, Maybe it wasn't the first week. Maybe it took some of you guys were on it the first week of of pretty much you the whatever week you guys saw the kickers first start going out there. And I think it was training camp. I don't think you guys really saw them in OTAs, but I could be mistaken. And I, I said it last year. I said right, but I'm just talking statement. about these specific two guys. Okay, all right, all right. Sorry, sorry. So, I'm so, very frustrated. <laughs> yeah, so I'm talking about these specific two guys. I don't know. I don't know when they started kicking in front of the masses, but I feel like it was either at the end of OTAs or the beginning of yeah. training camp. Yeah. But the first week is when you start hearing all these rumblings that these guys aren't good, and 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 you have been on it to begin with anyway. But I mean, there are other people in the media have been expounding it onto the to whatever social platform. And then, uh, two weeks later, pretty much everybody agrees that the kicker is not on this roster. And, you know, I, I told you guys, I when you were all bringing this up and everybody was talking about this, like, they are going to run, that these guys have to lose the job. And I don't know if that's a good strategy or not, like I said at the time, likely not. And I think we both agree this was a little silly. But they were going to lose the job. They weren't bringing in a veteran. And then they both lost the job. And now they're bringing in some other guy. And I kind of get the feeling in the sense they were just done with Trey Wolf and Caleb Shudak. And they need a kicker for Friday. Yeah. And I think that once Friday's over, Michael Badgley's going to be off the roster. They're going to sign someone else that got cut. Maybe that ends up being a Nick Folk. But if it's Chad Ryland, go listen to the practice reports from Patriots camp. It ain't much better with Chad Ryland. All right. The... This is a hard thing to solve at this point. Could you it find is. a guy that could you find a guy that and this and this is largely my issue is and it's also and I think you you kind of alluded to this with with Herndon on F words where you said it's also how the Titans play football. If you're going to play football a certain way, 
which is we know what Mike Vrabel wants to do. Physic margin of error. You need you if you're going to play games like that, you better have somebody to to push you over the top on that thin margin of error. This is just it. This is a years long problem that could have been fixed very easily by investing a sixth round pick and a very good kicker. Now I'm not hey, saying that they guarantees that you. Get why a good, not sign Brandon McManus when he gets magically cut? I I don't I don't disagree with you. They they get I, they get gift wrapped. They they are gift wrapped players all the time, and then they refuse to dive into them. Whether it's that's just kicker. There's wide receivers get cut, and they're just like, well, we're better. Hey, listen, you know this is an extreme example, but hey, you know Cody Hollister is better than you know anybody that just got cut. Like that's not true. That's just not true. <laughs> it's like you know well, that that to me just drives me nuts. And it's I like know. this, and and they're taking they're taking something off the table. Right. So I talk about this at football and other efforts today is what they are doing. And you saw it last year. They're scared to death to kick anything over 50. Like it's almost like it's a if they call it's one out of 10 fourth down play calls outside of 50 yards. They're not kicking it. They're going to punt it like mm-hmm. may they may they may kick it once or twice a year. OK, they're eliminating an entire option. Off out of their playbook like it yep. they're eliminating yep. points themselves it, it just it's yep. and it's so, been like this since 2018 yeah i i don't want to blame so i think you're right to blame craig ackerman for the special teams issues across the board as a whole i don't think like this particular situational problem that they have right now is his fault this is mike vrabel don't you think and, it's maybe it's his fault that he can't develop anybody maybe but i honestly i i think <laughs> On the first day of camp, when we looked at two kickers and I looked at one guy who's like, you know, a beanpole and the other guy's like five foot four. And I was looking around people. I'm like, this is who they're going with? Like, this is. And well, it's not to say that. question about this as well, well let, while let we're me, on this topic. I just put this on. I'll wrap this up quickly. I just put this on Vrabel. Because it was John Robinson before with Vrabel. Now it's Rand Carthon with Vrabel. What's the common denominator? Mike Vrabel. It's right. Mike. And I, and I normally don't put anything on him in terms of a major mistake. I'm not saying he's perfect. But to me, they walked into camp and it's one of those where you should have known better or you should have done something about it either way. Like it's either ignorance or malpractice and either way you're wrong. (laughs) Right. And so at some point you went into camp thinking that you probably had your guy with one of those two. And it just was it just felt like you were trying to outsmart the NFL. And I fully agree with you. I just I'm just I put it on Mike Vrabel. Uh, the development of the kicker, I, I don't know how you, I don't know if a, if one special teams coach can make somebody go from a bad undrafted free agent, nobody who gets cut to like an actual but kicker, I, I don't free know. Agents become kickers all the time. I mean, that's, I, I think if you looked across the league, I think most of the, the kickers are undrafted free agents. True, true. So someone developed them. True. What I mean is, is I think you either have it or you don't as a kicker. I'm not sure like there's like a. Do you think it helps that like this is what I want to kind of get into because I know that the holder and the snapper, uh, the long snapper have to kind of adjust for each guy. Right. Because they are they're two entirely different physical specimens. Yes, very much so. Don't you kind of think that maybe that kind of stunts this entire process as well? Like, I feel like that's just a bad like maybe you should have had two short kickers or two <laughs> tall kickers or something like it just feels a, like it's like it's not like it just feels like maybe are you a height are you a heightist is that well, what you're saying <laughs> no not really what i'm saying is is like 
if if the if the long snapper and the holder cannot get into a rhythm, then wouldn't it be hard for the kickers to find rhythm as well? I I see what you're saying. I think kind of a trickle down effect. I think Cox and Stonehouse can go from snap to hold, snap to hold, snap to hold, snap to hold as fast and as efficiently as possible, no matter what happens. Gotcha. And it's on the kicker who has his own body length and steps like his steps, you know, again, like wolf steps are different than shoot X steps in terms of the, how they approach the kick. So I actually don't think that that's that big of a deal. I think you, there, there's separate things within that act. I think of a kick. I, I just don't think either one of them was good enough. And I, my problem is that they should have obviously seen that and known that and addressed the issue with a more substantially thought out plan. That's all. And it's not the first year we've said that, it's the second year we've said that, and it could cost you a couple of games this year. Second year we've said division. it, it feels like it's been like the fourth year we've said it. It, it could cost you a division championship. Yeah, because, I mean, Ryan Suckup is not a solution, right? Ryan Suckup is, was worse than Randy Bullock in field goal percentage last year, so he's not a solution. Uh, I mean, Riley Patterson is just a few steps up above Michael Badgley and, you know, um, whom he, Riley Patterson may get cut, but, like, He's a few steps above Michael Badgley and Randy Bullock last year. You know, the same thing with um, probably Mason Crosby is probably your your silver lining, Mason Crosby or Nick Folk, but they're also really, really old. Like, <laughs> when does the bottom fall out for those guys? Uh, and if it's likely going to happen at Tennessee, if it's going to happen anywhere. <laughs> I will tell you, as a Packers fan who's watched every game in in 35 years, I did not trust Mason Crosby last year or the year before that. Yeah. So, so like I, it's just he might be better know, than what they have, but Brandon McManus getting cut was a godsend for the Tennessee Titans. And now he's gonna be over at a divisional rival. And if I if yeah. if the Jaguars play the Titans and the Titans <laughs> I it will be in the last it, game of the season it will in be Nissan worse Stadium. Than, it will be worse than the uh, reaction the, of Todd Downing getting to DUI and everybody wanting Todd Downing gone. It'll be worse. Yeah. Then Ryan Tannehill throwing three picks. If Brandon McManus somehow wins the game because Michael Badgley missed two kicks or whoever the kicker is, it's it's over for like Craig Ackerman. I mean, that is just like he's got to go. I mean, I yeah. know it's maybe not his fault, but right. he has to go. Uh, Donnie D abolish the kicker, defund the kicker. That's I'm with what, you. That's what Brable's been doing: abolishing the kicker and defunding the kicker. That's what he's been doing. Unfortunately, it can win you some games. So, yeah. all right, do you want to do? Do we want to do something positive now since we just spent so much time we being can. negative? Let's let's do something positive and then we'll go back to the negative and then we'll go back to the positive. Sinkers Beverages, of course, the Kingston Group. We do appreciate your local support. Those are two great local businesses. So make sure you support them as well. Rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Share the product with somebody. We do appreciate uh, all you guys sort of uh, acting as the, the army out there. We do appreciate it. Stackintheinbox.com. You guys know the drill there as well as football and other F words. So, okay. I heard and said this and on uh, Twitter, by the way, and I'm still going to call it that. I know you, you you're trying not to, but you still do occasionally. Uh, I think, and it, it was it was it, me. And I love was, it because you guys refuse to call it that, even though I refuse. You know, I, refuse. I, I love it because it, no. it just grates your skin. It's fine. It, it doesn't bother me at all. I just oh, I'm does. gonna. I, well, I'm then gonna you would call it that. Twitter. You wouldn't be a little coward and and still call it Twitter. Uh, so. Kaharski and I were talking about this in a red zone drill on Thursday and Herndon, I think had, I can't remember when he set out his tweet about how even without Traylon Burks and Kyle Phillips, 
the Titans will be better off in their receiving core or pass catching weapons is maybe what he said. And we were watching red zone drill and we both looked at each other and Hopkins just, I mean, there were two or three plays where the defensive back was in perfect position and we just kind of looked at each other and they were like, there's literally nothing anyone could have done to stop that play other than a pass interference penalty, which means Ryan Tannehill put the ball exactly where it needed to be, which means DeAndre Hopkins was exactly where he needed to be. And it means he made the play that only DeAndre Hopkins or players of his caliber can make. And it was in the red zone. And I think Easton might actually Easton might have been standing there, too. Um, and we were sitting there going like I that that guy's different. And Traylon Burks is going to be back. I, I don't know when. Maybe week one, maybe not. Kyle Phillips, probably a, a little bit longer, maybe three, maybe four, maybe five games. We don't know. Give or take. There's going to be guys that make this team that aren't aren't supposed to be on the team because of the injuries. Mm. But even with that, I and maybe four tight ends on the roster, they are in a better situation than they were in most of last season because DeAndre Hopkins has already got the rapport he needs with Ryan Tannehill. They are already... They're unstoppable. I mean, you know, it was kind of weird because everybody initially when talking about tr when, when the idea of being able to trade for DeAndre Hopkins came up around, I believe, February or March, whenever it's really, truly started, there was a lot of discussion about trading for an older wide receiver. You're probably just trading. Then you got to pay him. And then you're probably just trading for a guy that's going to get like 900 yards. And I, we could, everybody kind of fell into the trap. Like nobody really did not fall into that trap. And then he gets signed. And then you kind of start watching film. Then you kind of start looking at this. And then you kind of start looking at the team. And then he comes into practice and then it starts going. Then he keeps coming to practice and it keeps building and building and building. And now aren't you kind of thinking that instead of like, Oh, well maybe he gets a thousand yards. If we're, if you know, he stays healthy, you're kind of thinking, okay, so maybe he's probably going to get 1300 yards because he's just got this. It's, it's two pros, two pros, pros. Like this is what, a wide receiver one looks like. And I know we saw this with AJ Brown and how Ryan Tannehill was able to trust AJ Brown and force him, but he was able to trust AJ Brown to do something a little bit different than DeAndre Hopkins. It's like, big, big it's, plays it's down DeAndre the field, Hopkins. Yeah. It's almost like DeAndre Hopkins or nothing, right? Like it's like when you're watching these plays, yeah. it's like DeAndre Hopkins is going to get the ball. He's going to be the first look. And listen, Ryan Tannehill is going to make some gutsy throws. They're going to make you be like, what are you doing? And then DeAndre Hopkins is going to catch it. And, and one of those and one of those in red zone was over the middle, exactly like that. But there was nobody else that could make a play. No, no one could make the play. And, and let me I'll try to paint like a little bit of a picture here for, for like DeAndre Hopkins routine and why, you know, you and I have talked a lot about why we think he's different than all these other old receivers that have come in. And it's very um, clear right now. Few guys are still comparing him to Julio Jones or, D, or Andre Johnson or any of these uh, Robert Woods. This is so above and beyond clearly better and different. So you can tell one of the things you can tell about DeAndre Hopkins is how particular he is. He, he, when you are around him, like, and I was, you know, when he's in the bubble like that, you're all a lot closer together. There's not three fields spread out. You're all a lot closer. So you're closer for warmups, closer, closer for drills, closer on the sidelines, closer after practice when people are talking and, and, and interacting. And one of the things like DeAndre Hopkins is as particular human being in everything that he does. And he was kind of this way coming out of Clemson. 
He has always been, first of all, and this is, just bear with me here. I've got a point to this. Yeah, I'm good. He He's big on, like, he's huge on fashion. Like, everything he does, he's very, he's always been big in fashion. I don't understand it. I'm not going to pretend to be anything other than a 41-year-old middle-aged white father. I don't understand. But he is per- extremely particular about his appearance. He is extremely particular about his style, his vibe, his energy, his fashion sense. He is extremely particular about how he warms up before practice. He does different things than the other guys do. Not in a I'm better than the team kind of way, but I know what my body needs kind of way. He's out there doing like uh, planking, <laughs> like before drills. He's doing particular stretches with bands while other guys are warming up in a more traditional way. Like he is extremely attention to detail oriented. And it's what's made him a good player. I think it's what makes his body still capable of producing at his age. I don't know what to like. I don't ever really get thought, uh, get caught up in the, like how many yards is he going to have or how many catches or like, I, to me, I don't know. You know, I have no idea, but is he a factor? Is he a number one receiver? Like you said, and it's all the attention to detail stuff, how particular he is about everything that leads me to believe he is going to be as prepared as physically possible to contribute as best as possible at his age for this offense. And that's just sort of a, a vibe you pick up from watching him be himself, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, no, it makes it makes complete sense because you're the older you get, the more comfortable technically in your skin you you become. That's not it's not for everybody. Not every, insecurities can also exasperate, but sometimes you just get to a level where you know you're comfortable with who you are. You don't need all this extra stuff. You just need this. And I, so DeAndre Hopkins has been in the league and he's, you know, he's, he's got this dedication that I'm not saying that nobody else has had that has come in here. Cause everybody has their own different forms of dedication, but the way that he has played the game, he has had to be dedicated in a different way that doesn't rely on athleticism on it doesn't, he can't, he's not Tyree kill, right? Like Tyree kill has the natural God given ability to be able to burn anybody and make anybody look foolish. Does not mean that he does not practice his routes or anything like that, but everybody knows that Tyree kill is a certain kind of receiver. And Deandre Hopkins is a different kind of receiver. We talked about this, talking about Julio Jones. We, I mean, how he plays the game, he is, he's required if he wants to maintain a high level and he's got a chip on his shoulder, don't do that. Do not underestimate the chip on your shoulder that he has. And technically while he's still under contract next year, he is still playing for a contract, possibly extension next year from the Tennessee Titans who hold on to his rights, you know, stuff like that. He is playing for that. He, he has something to prove. We we've seen his tweets, dogging people that have said that he doesn't practice or dogging the the people that dogged Ryan Tannehill. He has something to prove. It all comes down to availability. And it sounds like to me, the stuff he is doing at practice before drills or before this, the planks, the other stuff that he is doing to take care of his body is going to go a long way in helping that. Can that overcome the Titans bad luck. I do not know this aura <laughs> surrounding the Tennessee Titans. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But Julio Jones talk- didn't do any of this stuff. Yeah. But if you're walking into week one versus the saints with DeAndre Hopkins, Derek Henry, Ryan Tannehill, Chigaconquo, and the entire offensive line, hopefully not 
it's Murray instead of Hubbard, but the entire offensive line. That is okay. Like you're better, I, than, I, la- you're better than last you're year. You're way better than last year. Yeah. And I and I fully I agree. agree with that. And it's because of what they've been able to build because DeAndre Hopkins has been available. He's been at, and I think he's been at every training camp practice, but two. So he's been building chemistry with Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. And so I, that's why I don't think I need to see Ryan Tannehill playing a preseason game. No, I don't think so. I don't need DeAndre Hopkins to play in a preseason game. No, no. Keep them bubble wrapped and just, just go. <laughs> no, I think it's, and, it, and again, I'm not suggesting that like watching a guy stretch is going to somehow indicate like what he's going to do on the field this year. It's more about just that, that he's also extremely particular about how he talks, who he talks to and when he talks. Oh, yeah, that he was the, that was showing up. Uh, I think it was uh, the Vikings practice. And uh, he is just very particular. He is everything is planned and orchestrated. His image, his outward appearance, the words he chooses to use, how he prepares for each practice. Like, and I, I just think to me, you put it all together into his, and then look at his career. I hope everybody's taking notes, like, like all the wide receivers. Yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> now again, he's person. Some personalities are bigger and brasher and more yeah. flamboyant, and they and they function better when they're, you know, when when Jeffrey Simmons is mixing it up and throwing like that's his personality, and I want right. him to be himself. And I think Hopkins is a far more reserved, careful person. Like he is just very careful, and I think. That when you package that with his career, you package that with sort of the anecdotal practice habits and preparation habits and warm up habits. You package that with sort of how he's always presenting himself in a very specific way. I think you put all of that together and you, and you sign up, you sort of gain some insight into who he is and what drives him. And I think that's to me, that's attention to detail, very particular, very, uh, you know, specific on what he wants to do. And to me, that that says he's ready to go. To your point, can he overcome all the history of the injuries? I mean, Kyle Phillips and Traylon Burks are already hurt. Like it's, it's, it's a real curse <laughs> that's that's here, and who knows if he overcomes that? But these are the things you do not notice at all about Julio Jones, and it's not a right. knock on Julio at the at that time. Well, sort of is. It, I mean, but it's just <laughs> well, but to your, but you're also they use different skills to have successful yeah. careers, and so you look at the other guy, I wasn't around when Randy Moss was here. I wasn't around, you know, I was, I barely was covering the team when Andre Johnson was here for that one year, basically. So I don't, I don't have as much insight into that, but I've worked with Derek Mason for a long time. And I know how particular Derek Mason is about taking care of his body at this age. And when he was playing and you can just see it, it's, it's a more of all, it's not like the same old, same old exercises, right? Like D Mace does a lot of stuff today to keep in shape. That is like, calisthenics and yoga and these movement stuff. And that's what you see Hopkins doing in warmups. It's not the traditional stuff. It's like the new age stuff. Um, so anyway, long, long story short, and oh, by the way, then he goes out and you can't cover him in red zone practice. <laughs> so, so like it's right there. I think they're better off than they were last year. Even if Burks misses some time, it does appear. I, I, to be honest, I think he's back by week one. I, I know you said that I, I would be more, I lean more conservative on letting him make sure he's fully healthy and if that means week two or three, I'm fine with that. Same thing I with Phillips. Don't think it's as, so. I don't think he's as hurt right now. And I think giving him 25 days of rest or 21 days and some practice, I think that's going to be enough for Burks. It, it it might be. And I guess my point is, is they are still improved. Even without them, they're still good. Even without them, they're improved and are capable of winning a couple of those early games. I still think they're two and four in the first six. I'm not changing my pick on that. But I think if, as long as they're healthy coming out of the Ravens game and the trip to London in the bye week, 
they can win a lot of games in that second half. A lot of football games in the second half. So, um, all right. That's that's some positive stuff. Are we going back negative here? <laughs> Brought to you by Sinker's Beverages <laughs> uh, and the Kingston Group. We talked on Monday about Malik Willis's performance in the game. Largely a, a missed opportunity for him at the time. He then comes back, and first and foremost, Will Levis looked healthy. So that's the good news, is he looked like it was pretty minor, as we said. I believe to- Liam Cohen had said that he was told, I guess, by Will Levis that it was a quad injury. So take that for there, what you will. There you go. I would say. Um, and that was reported. I guess Paul Karski caught that in another interview. So good for him. Okay. Good job. And 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 had the MCL uh, issue for, for Kyle Phillips as well. Mm-hmm. So PK doing work. I, I think. It's there's one thing here, which is like Levis is is going to be fine. That's a good physically. He's going to be fine. That's the backdrop, in my opinion, for the Patriots Matt game. After watching Willis for two days in practice, and I don't want to put too much. I love watching people's mannerisms on the sidelines, man. I love it when when something happens. So they're in a two minute drill after what was a pretty bad practice on Thursday. Willis misses. Sorry. Wednesday. This was, this was, sorry, today's Thursday. Yes, Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, Wednesday. And they're in a two minute, and Willis, like, basically completely misses a throw of a pretty open receiver. And Rand Carthon is standing there, kind of next to the media, and he's got his arms crossed. And he does that thing where, like, a quarterback makes a bad throw, and you just do, you see this guy, he goes, an eye roll is not for those that are not watching basically you have your arms folded and it's one of those things where the eye roll is not enough the the eye roll is so powerful you're looking to the heaven it makes your head move with your eyes (laughs) and it was subtle but i was looking right at him because i just saw the miss so i was and i was they were in the line of sight and i look at ran and you can just see him it looked like the god okay all right this is not my guy now again i that's that's one facial expression after one throw so let's not go crazy here but he couldn't he made every easy throw more difficult on wednesday can't help it that's just he, what he, he does five a five yard out route on the red zone is thrown way back and up and behind a receiver so that the defensive back can make a play on the ball he throws it over the middle and it's just a, a little couple inches too high and, and a little too hard and nobody can make the play it is just he's just off by a little bit all the time Every every throw on Wednesday was just off, and the two minute drill wasn't particularly good. Uh, there was a couple other players we can talk about. Like I know we we want to talk of receivers. Kiaris Jackson had a wide open drop that really is not going to help him at all in the two minute drill. I just don't think that there's a wide receiver six on this team. But this Malik <laughs> Willis thing, I think <laughs> he's just in his head at this point. Like I think I've... he knows, despite what Malik Willis believers and truthers say and despite what some in the media have deemed a very pretty good performance against the vikings game i think once the tape was re-watched with everybody in a room privately i think that is what you're seeing is the effect of that meeting that re-watch of the tape with mike vrabel in the room and i think malik willis knows that there is a good chance that he is going to lose the quarterback two spot almost immediately to Will Levis when the first depth chart comes out. And I think he's in his head. I don't think he's going to get out of his head because I don't think that while he is a nice guy with a, with a good heart in his chest beating, 
I don't <laughs> think he's mentally tough. Well, and I don't, I'll, I'll, two things. I don't know if he's mentally tough or not about this. I don't know if he's in his own head. I don't know for sure about any of those things. I, I said after the, going into the first preseason game, I thought Will Levis was already ahead of him. I, coming out of the preseason game, everyone wanted to rave about Willis. I still said, I think Will Levis, or Malik Willis, sorry, uh, that I think Will Levis was still quarterback too. Going into you just last, thought it got a little bit closer. Yeah, exactly. That's fine. That's fair. And that's a good thing. That's a re- This is lost yeah. in this whole conversation is this would be a great thing for them to be basically dead even here because it gives them a good chance at having a starter and a quality backup next year when Tannehill's not here. But I don't think it's ever been Willis. I don't think Willis has ever been ahead of Will Levis. At any point during camp, I have not seen a player who is better than Will Levis. Now, it doesn't mean Will Levis is some perfect player. Like He's got major issues he's got to work through and needs to get better at this and that and the other thing and accuracy and handling the snap. Like There's lots of things Will Levis needs to do better. But I just – it just is – and this is – I think the best way to put not, it is that – It's not watch personal, the, but it's not yeah. good. But if you watch the Bears game and then you you look at them, they're both on the field at the same time, running with similar personnel issues or lack of quality personnel. Will Levis looks like an NFL, uh, a potential NFL quarterback. We have seen Malik Willis in preseason last year, regular season last year, preseason this year. And while he had good moments in the Bears game, where he, you saw the glimpses. He still put the ball on the ground too much. He still took way too long to throw it. He still threw interceptions, and you come into the next week, and he's still throwing interceptions, still putting the ball on the ground. It got worse. It got worse, and he yeah. got slower. I do not see, unfortunately, an yeah. NFL, a potential NFL quarterback. And I think that when it's all said and done, Maybe depending on this injury issue or let's see what happens in a preseason game. How much does he play? Because if Will Levis doesn't play a lot because of injury, maybe he doesn't play a lot because they're saving him. Mm. (laughs) I think there is a very good chance that Will Levis is quarterback two when the cutdowns are made and the depth chart comes out. I think Will Levis is quarterback two. And and I've always... I've stood by that from the beginning. I think that's what's going to happen. Now, I will say this. This does not mean you you do anything with Malik Willis. Like, right. I, you, I Malik think he, Willis he, needs – yes, they both need to be on the team going into camp next year. Like, a million percent, you have to have both Unless like, something crazy happens, right? Like, unless something crazy like um, – uh, this would be a crazy thing. Trey Lance is cut, right? Trey Lance is cut. He clears waivers, and then you have the opportunity to sign him. Then yeah, I would sign Trey Lance to cut Malik Wills. Like, but that's a very long shot of a situation. But that would be have to be what happened. A quarterback gets cut, clears waivers, and is kind of there for a week, and you know that he's better than Will Levis, but not anything great. That's about it. Let here here's what I think. I mean, let me see if I got to. You don't think cut Will Levis if you had an option yeah. on the coming onto your roster? Will, Willis, yeah, Willis. It's our Will, Will, Will. Here's here's what I would say. Again, trying to be careful here. Yeah. Watch Atlanta's quarterback, and if Atlanta's quarterback shows you how to run an NFL offense, doesn't mean he's going to be great. Doesn't mean he's going to throw a bunch of touchdowns. Doesn't mean the stats are going to be there or the wins. 
But does he look like he understands the situation and knows how to manage the entirety of an NFL offense? Just remember where that player was selected in the draft. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I don't want to take a too early victory. <laughs> I just want to point out. I just want to point out Sam Howell looked pretty good. That's my victory lap. I'm the one who said he had the best I, arm in the draft. I said the same thing about Sam Howell. <laughs> we were we were simpatico. I'm saying the victory lap is oh, for both of us. us. Okay, good. Yeah, I think he's got the best arm. Simpatico on this show about Sam Howell should be a Tennessee Titan over any of them. Samuel Lito Samuel Lito has the best arm of anybody in the draft last year. I don't think it's yeah. even close. What I'm saying is that if you remember where Desmond Ritter was picked, I think it was three. Maybe four spots. Yeah, ahead of Malik Willis. Well, don't forget Sam Howell was like two rounds after both of them. I know, so. I know. I'm just, I just want to point out that there was another quarterback taken four picks earlier that is starting for Atlanta this year, mm-hmm. and I want fans to notice how much he understands the game and gets the game and manages the game. That's all. Yeah. Just well, that well, that's that. why I'm saying the same thing with Sam Howell, right? Like you're you're looking at two quarterbacks that could have been there for the Tennessee Titans have they decided to make a move up ahead of Atlanta or decide to wait and draft maybe uh, Sam Howell at a later time that look right now light years ahead of Malik Willis. Like, there's no easy way to put it. Malik Willis does not look as good as Kenny Pickett, Desmond Ritter, or Sam Howell. He does not look as good as Dorian Taylor or... DTR is it Dorian Taylor Robinson? Did I get that right? Dorian Dorian Thompson Robinson. Thompson. I knew Taylor didn't sound right. Dude, that dude played DTR. He, he looks fucking phenomenal. Yeah, uh, he looks great. Um, I'm just know, gonna they just saying. I I think they wanted Desmond Ritter. Oh, well, I'm sure they did. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say here. But you, my thing is, is that you shouldn't. If someone else takes Desmond Ritter, you shouldn't just automatically sit panic and take Malik Willis. I just my. I agree, and I think that is a very good point. <laughs> uh, anyway, either way, you don't, you still want Willis to be a quality, cheap backup next year for Will Levis. That is still the goal. Like you still, he's yeah. still too talented to let go and to give up on. Guys take time developing. He's just in a slump. You let him develop. You keep him on as a backup. There's worse ways to make a living if you're Malik Willis, and he's got a chance to continue to grow and get better. he's got too big of an arm and too much athletic ability to not keep him on the roster as your backup quarterback for next year, assuming that Will Levis is your starter. And I, if he's healthy, I would like to see Will Levis play the entire game. Yeah, I I am 100% with you. Uh, I've seen enough of Malik Willis. Yep. Okay. Speaking of the game, (laughs) speaking of the Patriots game, uh, I am fascinated with the receiving core. We've talked about that ad nauseum. Who's going to take those roles? Uh, Probably not Mason Kinsey. But we'll I don't, see. I, I don't think there's I don't think that they are carrying at the initial cut down day. I do not think there will be six wide receivers kept. What I think is going to happen is that they're probably going to trade for or not trade. They're probably going to sign someone or then put Kyle Phillips on IR and then bring someone up. If that is even a possibility, they may keep Kyle Phillips on. If it's not as bad as what we all perceive in our head or imagine in our head, because is it four games? It's four games if he goes on IR automatically. Now, if they if he can be back by week two or week three, there may not because you'll be heading into the start of week four on game day. I bet on you he's opening day. I bet you he's on IR. 
That'd I don't. I don't think so. Uh, and, and, here, we'll and here's and here's who's automatically on the team: Reggie Roberson. You think so? You think that yeah. is guy? Yeah. He just hasn't done shit in preseason. He's the he, he's on. He, I think he's on the team because I think they assume. You think he's making the team iron. regardless? Yes. yes. Wow. Yep. I, I don't know if I could get. I don't know if I'll. And maybe if if I find myself doing my final 53 after the preseason game, I find myself like at 52 players. I'm like, well, who's, who's got to be 53. I'll to probably me, right, to me right now, assuming Phillips is on IR, he is the number five receiver on the team, Reggie Roberson. I, and yeah. I think it's pretty, I think it's pretty clear gotcha. because everyone else has not taken, like he's the most consistent best performer from practice to game back to practice, back to game. He has been here, and I'm, my hands are up about my face here <laughs> for those listening on the podcast. He has had a certain level of performance at all practices. Other guys have had flashes. Colton Dow is not it right now. He's no, not I it. Have. He drops, drops too many passes. Doesn't to make me, it's, it's down to Roberson and Kiaris Jackson. Kiaris Jackson dropped too many passes in practice this week, in my opinion. Now, maybe he has a great game on Friday, and that changes the perception. But I think Reggie Roberson has earned his way on to the, to the team well ahead of everybody else. I think Jackson would be your number six. That's what that would be my guess right now, uh, and then everybody else is after that. I, I I think Roberson is ahead of ahead of the pack pretty clearly in my opinion. But we'll see. That's interesting. We'll I mean, I, I, you know, I just you know love to see it. I'd love to see it in a preseason game just once. <laughs> I mean, just give it to me once. Yep. Yep. I, I, it's the other thing is uh, the tight end group will be interesting. The running back room is interesting chestnut feels like he's on the team Hassan haskins maybe he's on the team he I, I shouldn't think, be i mean I, he I, does nothing i agree I, I agree uh we have not talked about Corey davis uh if he does i know there were rumors that he could get cut by the jets i don't know if that's happened oh my or, god you're uh, yeah. you just you, did that you just happen not, no he retired yesterday oh he retired yesterday holy shit <laughs> Damn! Yeah, <laughs> I was watching Hard Knocks last night. <laughs> I was yeah. a little late late to the party. Yeah, he re- um, he retired midday on uh, Tuesday, or right in the two o'clock hour. Yeah, uh, my, well, on my Tuesday. bad. Uh, and then, oh, sorry, so, so I think they could go get somebody. But honestly, like we've already talked about, I think they're better than they were last year. So the other one I really want to watch is is Alize Mack. This is a five star recruit that went to Notre Dame, big time athlete he's one of the few guys that can really run down the field and make plays uh, at the tight end position was really good in the xfl i don't think i think it's him and thomas odakoya depending on how they're allowed to use the international okay, so slot. so here's how the international slot works yeah. it works like normal for the final 53 but on the practice squad if you are if you cut your guy your guy he clears waivers and you're able to get him back on your practice squad you can label him exempt and you can carry an extra practice squad player. Okay. But if he makes the final 53, he counts towards the final 53. Okay. That was your question when we yes. were off there. Yeah. So I wanted to know how that works because I had some conflicting, like I was talking to like multiple different media people and we didn't act, we, could, we didn't know the exact rule on how it worked. And that is according to Wikipedia. By the way, Jordan Maliata or Maliata, or I can never pronounce his last name, but uh, the Eagles offensive lineman, how lucky are they that he came through that? That's how they got him. That's so it's the luck of the draw. It's just crazy. That's totally wild. Um, Easton says he will eat stony shorts if Hassan Haskins makes this team. That's too early of a reference for you, Easton. You're too young for that. Uh, here's here's the thing. I, Thomas Odakoya seems like the four, number four best tight end on the roster. I have I talked to a few people that are convinced that Kevin Rader is going to make the team and that Odakoya is going to keep that international slot on the practice squad like you're talking about. 
I also think Alizé Mack is in the conversation. So you could have three guys battling for one spot on Friday against the Patriots. That's really interesting to me because they all do very different things. But and does Odekoya and Raider do something different? Because to me, they seem like they're the same guy. And if I, I'm going after the guy that is punishing defenders and looking for work and wanting the spot over Kevin Raider, who has been non-existent outside of special team snaps and Tom and these guys could play special teams. Maybe they need a different coach to coach them how to play special teams, but they could play special <laughs> right, teams. Right. Um, and I know you guys mentioned this on F words, Monty Rice, is he him and Haskins, I think he's gone. Right? I mean, like yeah, I think Austin? both him and Haskins are gone. And, you know, when I don't know if you've read stacking inbox today, but stacking inbox today, I revisited the 2021 uh, class and I put out, the day that or the night that Monty Rice got drafted shortly after a trade back, shortly after Dylan Radins got drafted, Whew. uh, the all in the same night, it was a whirlwind of emotions when Monty Rice. I mean, I put out quote tweet after quote tweet after quote tweet of the brand Broadway sports media coverage, and I I posed the question, and I had all the little A to Z boys saying I was an idiot for even posing the question that if this draft class and this particular trade does not work out, the moves made on day two does not work out that John Robinson would be on the hot seat. Come lo and behold, John Robinson was on the hot, would have been on the hot seat, but John Robinson's led, not on the hot seat right now. Well, not right now, but we're also talking back then. So thanks for interrupting and ruin it. Like kind of like the January 6th thing, you know, oh, I was on a roll. Off. So, uh, you just gotta let people talk sometimes that, uh, I look at it, and I'm thinking this draft class is a almost a carbon copy of the 2020 draft class. That's what I was trying to explain. You can't have two really bad back-to-back -back draft classes. And that is part of the reason why he got fired is because ultimately the A.J. Brown trade was the nail in the coffin. But these two back-to-back -back draft classes, specifically that one, was terrible. Terrible. Elijah Mold and Rashad Weaver are your saving graces for a draft class that ultimately is terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. And I just, Monty Rice wasn't a good pick then. He turned into an even worse pick than I even imagined. And he's not making this team. And Hassan Haskins should also not be making this team. And that is with the alleged charges aside. I'm not even including those because he's just not yeah. that good. Yeah, I, he's not good to keep with charges. That's that's for sure. He's not good enough to keep two charges. Uh, Javar says Malik's stats look better if they catch the football. He made one bad decision coming out of college. They said it was going to take two to three years. He's on schedule. I, a couple of things I'll agree with and disagree with there. I, I agree that he's kind of on schedule, and we need to com constantly reiterate that this guy was barely a top 100 pick, so he shouldn't be held to the same standards as first-round draft picks. He should be held to the 97th or 96th overall draft pick standard, which is at the quarterback position, a total crapshoot, and yes, possibly a development, but he didn't make just one bad decision. Uh, he constantly cannot hit the target accurately. He's fumbled the ball three times, thrown two interceptions, and a big chunk of his production came against third and fourth string players for the Vikings in the second half, where he should have been better. He struggled doing that. He should have been better in the second half. So anyway, it's not personal. It's just, yes, there is some time there for him to be developing. I think he needs, I don't think on schedules, how I would describe it, I would say... He's a little, he's, you know, he needs to be he's a little behind. bit better. He needs to show some growth. Anyway, uh, Monty Rice, I think, I don't know about Monty Rice. I, I think, 
I, I agree with Haskins. I'm pretty, I feel pretty comfortable saying, I just don't think you, it's not worth the risk of keeping him on the team and the PR and the just stand for something. Just not good. You know? you, yeah. Anybody can good. do yeah. what he does on special teams, yeah. but also provides you value somewhere else in another phase of the game. He provides you no value on offense. Uh, it, what ba- fourth, fifth defensive lineman, uh, corner safety backups, Mike Brown, Eric Garer, who, who else are you interested to keep an eye on and maybe win a job? Caleb Murphy. I know you're not on board with him making the team. What, what are, who are the other players you think can actually make up, make their, I, I'm I, of the I, belief that, I go was going to say, I'm of the belief that uh, we talk and we talk about a lot of these guys that kind of flash and have big games but that the coaching staff sort of knows who their guys are going into the last couple of games almost every year. I, I, I'm with you. That's why I'm not a big believer in the Caleb Murphy hype train as it stands right now. I like, and how I likened it to was I really liked Tear Tart when he was an undrafted free agent in his rookie year. I really like Caleb Murphy, but I also understand they both have holes in their games at the time that they were rookies and undrafted free agents. That's what practice squad is for. So yep. I think Caleb Murphy is going to make it to the practice squad. And I think he's going to clear waivers to make it to the practice squad. I'm not too concerned. I'm not concerned about anybody being cut on this team and some team just jumping at the chance to get them. Yep. In fact, when the final 53, typically the cuts are made, I would have to go back and look, but I would say all 32 teams barely make any waiver claims throughout the process. And I, and I think that happened last year where there's only like two or three waiver claims were put in pretty much everybody becomes a free agent. And then there you go. Yep. But I I'm interested to see what the wide receiver six situation looks like. We know the five that are making the final 53 because of how the rules work. We know that it's Nick Westbrook, Kine. We know that's Chris Moore. We know that's Kyle Phillips. We know that's Traylon Burks. We know it's DeAndre Hopkins. We know it's those five. I want to see the six wide receiver. I want to see what, uh, Gare. I want to see what, uh, if Chestnut could keep his momentum, though, I think he's a lock. But I want to see what Garrett can do. I want to see what uh, this Patrick Jocks guy can do in another week. I also Patrick want to Jock- see- yeah. Jacquez Patrick. Oh, just Jacquez Patrick. I thought Jacquez that was another player. Um, <laughs> then uh, I want to see what I want to see if Shaheen Carter can make this team. I okay. really thought he was mm-hmm. going to make the team last year, and he didn't. They chose to go with AJ Moore, and what a disaster that was for them. And uh, I want to see what Shaheem Carter can do because I think he provides you a little bit more than Mike Brown in the athleticism department. I think Mike Brown is an instinctual player, but I also want to see what the rest, I want, I'll call them the cracker backs. Well, these little white uh, linebackers do because someone can separate themselves. <laughs> cracker the cracker backs. Uh, I want to see what these guys Damn can it. do to separate themselves from <laughs> each other. I mean, because they're all the same guy, right? Well, I mean, and and even and Ben Neiman looked even, really bad last week, and in, in my opinion, all all of them looked bad. All the crackerbacks looked bad. Even Mike, even Ben Neiman is a cracker crackerback. Yeah, because <laughs> everybody's talking about Otis Reese making the team, and he's like, he's not, he doesn't shy away from contact, but he has like two tackles through two games. So tell me how he doesn't shy away from. T- he ain't he's looking for work. <laughs> So I don't know. This linebacker position is a little messy right now. I yeah, I, I think it's the the weakest. I think it's the least talented position on the roster. But yeah. all you might need is is a great Al Shair, and then you can roll Molden up into the box, and he can kind of function as like a two and a half third ish backer. And then all you need is to find one guy for one spot. And then if you can do that, then maybe you're you're fine. But 
I, I think it's the thinnest position on the team uh, from a talent perspective. So, yeah. um, otherwise, I, I'm just you know I, I'm just so ready for actual football to be here. So, uh, and well, that's quick, why I'm ready for week zero. Week zero. So, quick note before we get to that: Sinkers Beverages, Kingston Group, by the way, support local businesses. Uh, Sinkers Beverages, the liquor store of the year in Nashville in 2022, trying to repeat this year. So, go up there, sign up for the in crowd, get your name on the list. They don't, you know, they're not going to call you or bother you. But if there's cool stuff, they'll they'll give you some. Uh, They'll give you some allocations and some early access to special tastings and special events. And obviously, Bluegrass's 50th anniversary on September 2nd coming up in a couple of weeks. Make sure you are there. Yes, Zach Lyons. Another trade has happened. So earlier today, the Arizona Cardinals traded away Isaiah Simmons to um, gosh, some team for seventh round pick. The Giants. <laughs> the Giants for seventh round pick. And I've seen a lot of people clamor for the Titans to trade for Josh Jones, an offensive tackle who is losing his job to Paris Johnson. And the Cardinals are sending offensive tackle Josh Jones, who had 11 starts last year, to the Houston Texans. Mm. Per league sources, Jones is in the final year of his rookie contract. Now, this is the same Houston Texans that signed vaunted free agent, coveted free agent, George Fant, who has done a lick of nothing. This is similar to Chris Hubbard who I said they were the same one. But this leads me to believe that Titus Howard may be out a little bit longer than what everybody expected. Yep. Yeah, I think that would be a fair fair assessment. Uh, okay, Jason McDonald asks, any watch parties planned? As of right now, at Bluegrass Beverages in Hendersonville, college football's first Saturday, September 2nd, I think it's like noon to four. It's free. There's breweries out there and there's going to be food trucks out there. It's free to get in and TVs will be set up to watch college football on September 2nd. So if anybody wants to come, uh, Zach's going to be there and maybe some other distinguished Titans dignitaries. Who knows? We shall see um, who's going to be there. That'll be for the Tennessee Virginia game and, uh, and any other college football games that are on at that time. As far as Titans watch parties go, stay tuned. We'll see what we can put together for you guys. Yeah. How about, how about that? Uh, stay tuned. We might do what we did for the draft where we can all get a small group together and maybe uh, have a good time there at the uh, sinkers offices in Wedgwood, Houston. Okay. Football is here because week zero is technically here. Uh, how, where do you stand on calling it week zero? I mean, there's only like, a, like it an eight week one. in theory, but it's, it's not week one for like 90% of the sport. So gotcha. I don't I don't mind calling it like it's you know how you call them preseason games in the NFL. It's sort of like having like a, a Hall of Fame game. It's kind of like that, but I like that they don't put anything super serial on the schedule. It's just but it's enough to like whet the appetite. And so you get Sam Hartman at Notre Dame, who could be the best quarterback, you know, in 25 years for Notre Dame. He could be good enough to make them very dangerous this year. They play a lot of meaningful games against really big time teams. You know, they play USC, they play Ohio State, they play Clemson teams that are going to try to make the playoff. So keep an eye on Sam Hartman. What does he do for Notre Dame in week one, uh, week zero, I should say? Sorry. Uh, USC plays San Jose State. That's not a really huge game. USC is going to win by a lot, but San Jose State's got an interesting offense. And what you care about if you're watching USC is how good is the defense this year? Mm -hmm. Are they actually anything worth watching? And of course, SEC Network 630 Central Standard God's Time. What does Vanderbilt's football stadium look like on television? <laughs> well, I'm I'm interested. I'm I'm. Those are the three game. Or uh, I, I'm interested in the Ireland game first and foremost. Uh, I know that we mainly cover the SEC, but I am in, so interested in Sam Hartman, in Notre Dame, 
in Ireland. I want to see it. I can't wait to see what the crowd is like. I can't wait to see what the stadium is like. I think it's awesome. You know, the fighting Irish in Ireland. I, I love it. I'm there for it. I'm tuned in. It's at an appropriate time, 1.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. It's not some weird, you know, like night game or something, you know. Or, or, or 8.30 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm in. I'm all in. I'm excited. I love it. And uh, then I would put the Vanderbilt game behind that one because I think you learn more about Vanderbilt than you probably will from USC in their game. But I am interested to see what USC looks like. Can they beat down on both sides of the ball the opposing team? So I'm, I'm all in. There you go. Um, uh, Pretty Boy Lipschitz asks, who wins the AC, AAC, not the ACC? Uh, Tulane is your heavy favorite. Quarterback Michael Pratt is really, really good. That's Tajay Spears' former backfield mate. Uh, UTSA, as Stoney said, is the second most important team in that conference. Those are probably your top two teams in the league. They're going to play, I believe, in the final game of the regular season, which is not good scheduling by the AAC. But more importantly, UTSA at Tennessee in Neyland Stadium week three. That is not as easy. No Tennessee fans really know how good that UTSA team is. So just... yeah, I'm also here for uh, Memphis winning the AAC. Okay, there you have it. That's, that's pure homerism. <laughs> that's fine. It, unadulterated homerism is part of the game. It's yeah. part. It's part of the sport. Uh, so there you have it. If you'd like to ask any more college football questions, I've got a lot of other college football platforms you can ask me. Uh, wait, don't wait till the very, very, very end. Yes, pretty boy. Cincinnati is not even in the AAC anymore. They are in the Big Twelve. They'll be playing totally different teams, sort of like how Corey Davis is not playing football anymore. Yes. <laughs> Although that was that was like a year and a half ago. I, I feel like <laughs> yesterday I get a little leeway. Yeah, you get a little bit of leeway. Uh, F-Words pod. Make sure you check that out across uh, all the video and Twitter and YouTube platforms, as well as the podcast platform as well. Uh, you got all the other great shows across the 440 Sports Network and Broadway Sports Media, Music City Audible. Uh, you got the Paul Karski podcast. You got SEC Football Live. You got the gold standard covering the Preds, Club and Country talking in Nashville SC with a record-breaking month of downloads because of, that's right, Mr. Messi uh, as well. And football season's here, boys. We got one more preseason game. Then you got college football on Labor Day weekend. And then the NFL is here. So get ready. Um, for Zach Lyons, I am Braden Gall. For Sinkers Beverages and the Kingston Group, we do appreciate it. You guys have a great weekend. We'll be back on Monday to break it all down for you. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you then. Have a good one, everybody.